0: song great young people how I thank God for them and this week on uh, I think Thursday Friday our young people from both of our Christian schools and also our ministry will make their way to state line uh, fine arts competition in temperance Michigan you pray for them and I thank God for City Baptist Schools and Hammond Baptist uh, Schools and for these, uh, these choirs like this that will meet before church on a Sunday, on a Wednesday night in practice. Moms and dads, thank you for supporting your young people. Young people, thank you for preparing. First Corinthians chapter 13. The book of First Corinthians is a book of the Bible that really, it, uh, it pinpoints problems in the local church. There's very few local church problems that are not found in in churches today that are not found first in the church at Corinth. Uh, It was a mess. Apostle Paul was there a year and a half. He led folks to Christ, but they came out of pretty worldly backgrounds, and when he left, there was lots of challenges. There were major, major doctrinal problems, problems with, um, with the lawsuits among church members. There was immorality Was not being checked in the church. There was arguments within the body of believers, and who is preaching today? If so and so is preaching, I'll come. If not, I'm not going to come. A lot of pettiness, a lot of immaturity. Matter of fact, Apostle Paul says, "I want to talk to you like mature adults. I cannot. You're too carnal." And uh, there was challenges, and there was stinginess. He had to teach him about giving again in First Corinthians chapter. Uh, 16, they had let bad people start teaching them. They listened to things that they shouldn't have listened to, and that's where we have in context 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that be not deceived, evil communications, corrupt good manners. Uh, There was false doctrine on the resurrection that was being adhered to and taught and propagated within the, the body of believers there. But another problem they had is there, were, there was a lot of abuse of the spiritual gifts and a misunderstanding of the spiritual gifts, and it still goes on today. There are, there are folks who, who do not believe. I think there's so many things that are just very clearly stated in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 that would really take care of a lot of issues today with spiritual gifts. Now, I believe there are gifts that God gives every individual... Uh, that is Christian. However, there are some gifts, I think there are cessation of gifts. Now, usually when I say that, someone will give me an email this week or someone will call and and try to correct me on this situation because it's a passionate problem. Some people believe that there's still people speaking tongues today or speaking in a heavenly language and so forth and so on, and they're very passionate about it. I remember one time going through a a study with a guy. I went through 1 Corinthians 12 because he kept coming to me after the service and trying to say, man, you need to speak in tongues. You're a good preacher. You do a lot of good things, but if you had the gift of tongues, you would really be setting the world on fire. I'm going to teach you this, and I went through it with him and gave him time. I went to... to, uh, to go through it, and he just kept coming after me. And, I, and I finally, one day, uh, I, I went out and I said, Let's go outside and let's go out and look at the sign. And I went out and looked at the sign. Could you read that sign? First Baptist Church, okay? Uh, that's who we are. And if you're not that, go find another church. <laughs> that's what I told him. I said, That way. And I went through the Bible. So one day, he said, I don't care what the Bible says. I know what happened to me. And that's what happened. We've got, we've got, uh, we, we have an experience that's trumped what the Bible says and sometimes that gets in the case but i'm not going to be able to tonight to take the time to go through with uh these situations but the apostle paul keep in mind he was he was instructing a backslidden stubborn aggravating group of people that were very carnal at the time and when they came to church everybody wanted to speak in tongues And, and tongues is a known language Everybody wanted to give a prophecy. Everybody wanted to have it have their prophecy acknowledged. And it was all of that. And the Apostle Paul tells them, look, if you're going to do this, and he gave them the rules in chapter 14, but he says, you guys are missing a major element, and that is love. You, you, want, the, you want the gifts of this. You want to be able to do this. You want to be recognized for this. But there's a major missing element in the church at Corinth, and that is love. We talked about last week a little bit the church of Ephesus, how they had left their first love. And God reminded them, I want you to remember, I want you to repent, and I want you to resume love. And this February month, we have talking about loving with eternity in view. I can't think of another passage of scripture that more puts it out there in plain, understandable terms than the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you'll look in the second part, uh, the last verse of chapter 12, right before we come into that, the Apostle Paul says this, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. He said everybody wants to be recognized for this. Here's what you be recognized is for love. And remember what Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are really a disciple of Christ if you have love. One to another. So he's going to break into a diatribe here and he's going to begin to tell us a little bit about this topic of love. It's very important. Let's look, if we can, please, at verse number one of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Read it with me out loud. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, He said, once again, he said, I want you to choose the more excellent way. He says, I don't care if, you, if I speak with the tongues of men, I'm a great orator, or the tongues of angels. And by the way, sometimes they go into this situation that tongues is an angelic language. It's just talking about whether you, an, an angel would speak from heaven, they were messengers of God, or a man, a human being. If you could speak like an angel or you could speak like a human being who is very gifted in that way, But if you don't have love, you really, the Bible tells us there, I'm become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And basically, you have no lasting personal impact. We have a cymbal over here uh, that's in in the orchestra. Do we have anybody over here that knows how to play that real quickly? I'll go over here. Maybe I can just figure out something. I'm, I'm sure we can have all kinds of fun over here. But I, I would imagine, and uh, this, this may be an example of a symbol. I'm not sure if I have something to smack it with, though. Let me just see if I can do this. I think this would be a, a symbol. All right, so you, you're, you're proud of me, aren't you? At least I figured out where it is. Okay, does anybody hear the symbol right now? Do you hear what it said? Because it just goes for a little while. And within seconds, it has no lasting sound. It just goes away. It's oftentimes the music that you would have in, in, uh, in the, in the bazaars or the, uh, the fairs or the marketplace in Paul's time. The, the people who are sharing, their, sharing their, and selling their wares would pay people just to play music in the background. Bang on things. Just to kind of see there's, there's something happening. Usually when you go to a store or you I always have music in the background, you go to a restaurant, they play music. It's just it's mind-numbing, but it's just like there's something going on right here. And you go to, well, they'd oftentimes would play and they would just sing sounding brass, tinkling cymbals, bing, bang, bang, bing, bang, bang. They would pay people just to make background noise while people are shopping. He says, if you can speak eloquently with the tongue of men or angels, but you don't have charity, which is agape love, you're like a sounding brass. Bang! You make a big splash, but you have no personal, long-lasting impact. Let me just tell you something. Every young person in Howells Anderson College, every senior adult, every single, every married person, what you want in your life is your life to count for Jesus. And if it counts for Jesus, then you'll have a long-lasting impact. The Bible says the memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. One thing you would like to have in your life is for your life to transcend your life. You would like for your life to matter in the lives of other people. And the only way that's going to really do that is if you understand and allow God's love in your life. He says, far more important than your abilities to speak and to convey truth and to talk is your ability to love. If not, you'll be like the the sounding brass, bang, making a bunch of noise, but goes away in a short time. Look at verse number two, would you please? The Bible says in verse number two, and though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries. I get it, and all knowledge. I can discern things, and though I have all faith, I mean, I I believe right, and I and I, I I'm trusting God to believe Him, and so that I can remove mountains. And have not charity, I am nothing. He says, so you have you have all these gifts of being able to put forth God's truth. You believe right. Uh, You have a knowledge you can discern right from wrong, but you don't have charity. Not only do you not have a personal, long-lasting impact, you don't have even personal significance. I am nothing. Your significance will not be that. And all of us want, we want to matter, and we want to be okay. That's inside of every one of us. It's a little bit on steroids with ladies in particular. You want to know that you're significant and you're going to be okay. You're secure. But that's in me too, and it's in every man. We want to know that. But he said, if you don't have love, no matter how many other doctrinal things you have and abilities you have, if you don't have love, you have no personal significance and no personal long-lasting impact. Look at verse 3, would you please? The Bible says in verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the the poor, I'm a generous person. I take everything I have, I sell it, and I start giving it to those less fortunate. And though I give my body to be burned and become a martyr and have not charity, what does it say? I have no profitable inheritance If charity is not that, that's one of the reasons why I think in the Bible, when it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke each other to do what? Love and good works. A few years ago, there was someone, and people have propagated this, it doesn't really matter your motives. I think your motives do matter. I think because God knows exactly not what I do, but why I do it. And he says, if, if love is not somewhere in that motivation, there is not a profitable inheritance. There's not a long-lasting influence or an impact on others. There's not a, a personal significance, and there's not a profitable inheritance. Now, I believe every one of us ought to want and desire to be, hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear it. I want you to hear it as your pastor. I don't know everyone as intimately as I wish I knew you, but I want every one of you who have a a little influence in First Baptist Church to one day say, boy, I'm glad that God let me be in that church. I'm glad that what I did with the Lord brought profitable inheritance. He said, but if you don't have love, you can give all your money. You can get a big check every every week. You can go ahead and lay down your life and, and die a martyr's death. But if love is not our motivation, it has no eternal profitability. So I think love is a big deal to God. And Apostle Paul is sharing. Now he's going to go into a definition of love. He tells us the benefit, and that is basically long-lasting impact, significance, and reward. Now he's saying, here's what it looks like. And this is convicting. Let's look at it real quickly. And you say, I, 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 I want to say this real quick and preface this. This can be used in a marriage but in context here, tonight is talking about in your life and my life with one another, especially in the house of God, in the church of God. That's the context of this, of this passage of Scripture. It is a carnal, hypocritical, uh, selfish church that he's saying, you know what, you're missing love. You don't have it. But here's what it looks like. Look, if you would please. Number one. And by the way, this is something all of us need to acquire, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us with that. But verse number four, charity, the first definition of love, charity. There are 16 of things that are going to be attributes of charity, of, of agape. This is a u- unique word. There are many times in the Bible where agape is, 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 uh, is, is translated love. Here it's charity. And I think it's interesting. There was a lady named Amy Carmichael who became a great missionary in India. She She was... Noted for saying, you can give and not love, but you cannot love and not give. And charity and giving kind of go to, go to if you say, well, I love, but you're not willing to give of yourself, you're lying. There, it goes together in that situation. If you say you love the Lord and you don't give to the Lord, you probably, you probably, you're probably missing something there. Well, here's what it says. Here are the 16 attributes of love. Number one, Charity suffereth long. That means it's patient. It's willing to suffer long with someone. Normally, when you see long suffering in the Bible, you're talking about a person. If you see patience in the Bible, normally, you're talking about a circumstance, okay? If you get sick tonight or you have a flat tire on the way home, and I hope you don't. I hope I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet. But it will not be a need for long suffering you'll have a need for patience because it's a circumstance that you're going through. But long-suffering normally has to do with a person in your life. I'm not here to get any names, but if I, if I did ask you today, who is someone your sphere of influence is kind of, uh, you got one nerve and they're on it. <laughs> you feel like they might be staying up at night thinking of ways to complicate your life. And it's your child, I'm just joking it's a neighbor. It's, a, it's someone that just, I don't know why. I'm just, I, I get around them and they just push on me. They do that. You know what you need for that person? Love. Love is long-suffering. It suffers long with an individual that is hurting. And hurting people tend to hurt you. Who are they in your life? Think about them right now. Say, God, teach me to be long-suffering with so-and-so. The way Christ is long-suffering to us. Look at the next one. Love is suffereth long and is what? We need a revival of kindness. I've grieved so much to see uh, people who are just, just they call themselves Christians. I believe they're saved. I'm going to share heaven with them. And I've been this person sometimes. No doubt, some of you could say this about me. But they're just unkind. They're uncouth. They don't, they don't think about their words. They don't think about their, they're not sensitive to anybody else's feelings. The Bible tells us, "Be ye kind." He said, "Love is suffers long and is kind." Look at the next thing the Bible tells us, and these are just very self-explanatory for the most part. Love envieth not; it's not jealous. It's not. It's not wanting. And envy is takes jealousy to another. To, usually, jealousy is is um, is is really like, "I feel bad without what you have. I want." Envy takes it to another level, what, if, if I can't have it, I don't want you to have it. Now, when someone, you may want a car, someone gets a car and you say, well, I wish I had a car like that. That's probably jealousy. However, whenever you, you are upset because they have that car, or they have that relationship, or they have this thing that you would want and you don't want them to have it, that's another thing. He said, that's not what love looks like. And we have envy in, inside of our Christianity. We have it in our bus ministry. We have in our Sunday school classes, pastors had envy inside of us. Sometimes we just really, we, we have that competitive spirit that comes up that really is not a, it's not, it's not a, love, it's not a love factor. It's usually built in selfishness and pride. His love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Look at the next thing the Bible tells us. Love envieth not. Uh, charity vaunteth not itself. It doesn't put itself out there in front. You've, you've heard, the, you've heard uh, if the, you know, if the, if the, uh, the will needs grease, we'll grease it, you know. And, and if you don't honk your own horn, who's going to do it for you? Okay, that's not love. That's not love. Love doesn't put itself out to be recognized. It vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. It's not full of pride. And here we find... The Lord is telling us some very in unbelievable terms, saying, look, here's what love looks like. It's patient with other people. It's kind. Instead of harsh and unkind, it's gentle and gracious. What is love? It's not, it doesn't envy. It doesn't put itself out in front. It's not puffed up. Verse number five, love does not behave itself unseemly. That means it's not inappropriate. It doesn't doesn't act in inappropriate ways. It thinks of other people whenever whenever it's going. And, and, you know, oftentimes anger, when I'm angry, when you're angry, you don't care who hears you. You don't care the volume that you use. You don't care the antics. All you care about is you in that moment. All I care about is me in that moment. He said, love doesn't behave itself unseemly where it embarrasses other people. How many times I have seen men and women but oftentimes embarrass their entire family. And they say, well, I love my family. But you're acting like an idiot. You're hurting them. You're, you're behaving unseemly, which is not even, it's not even reasonable. It's inappropriate. He says the next thing the Bible tells us here, behave yourself un- unseemly. Seeketh not our own. It's not selfish. It doesn't. All of us struggle with this, and and once again, this is a convicting chapter. I remember going over it numerous times this week and thinking, man, Lord, that's me. That's me. But seeketh not his own. You know, all of us, if we're not careful, we all have an angle. Boys and girls, you go talk to your mom and dad, and you're trying to get them to do what you want to do. And, and, And they say, no, I don't think it's a good idea. Why? You know why? Because you love you. You're not loving them. You you, are seeking your own. You're seeking your selfish. You want what you want. Oftentimes, a young man or a young lady will find themselves involved physically when they're prematurely not. They're not married yet. You know why? Because they seek their own. They say, "Well, we love each other." No, you don't. You love you. You love you. You're seeking your own. You're not seeking the things that. That for the best of the other person. If, you are, if you're dating someone and you're not married yet, you need, you need to remember that that is someone's daughter. And she is not your wife. You need to wait. If you say, well, I love her, well, you'll wait. Well, I love him. No, don't, and don't pull in this, this junk about, well, I really love you so much. No, you, you don't even know what love is. Because love is all about your comfort zone, getting what you want seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. So many times people get angry, and it's always someone else's fault. I wouldn't have said that if they hadn't done that. I wouldn't have done it if she hadn't done that. If he hadn't done that, it's always somebody else playing the blame game. He said, that's not what real love is. Love is not easily provoked. If you find yourself uh, easily offended, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. you got a love problem. You need, to, you need to get love. Love is, love is the problem. You, you say, no, I'm not. I'm Irish. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm this. I'm that. No, no, don't blame your heritage. Blame you. Blame a lack of, and I'm sorry for all of our blessed Puerto Ricans that are here. I've just heard that a few times since I've been your pastor. <laughs> so it's, That counseling just kind of filtered through just now. I'm sorry about that. No, we can't blame our heritage. We've got to say, okay, I've got a problem. And my problem is I love me and I don't love God and I don't love others. Because love is not easily provoked. You think it's everybody else around you, it's you, it's me. What's the Bible say? Let's continue on down our list. It thinketh no evil. People who oftentimes you're very cynical. And you, whenever something happens, someone is even awarded, someone does something good, you think, yeah, I know how they are. You know what you need? You need a, you need a revival of love. When someone is, someone makes a decision, oh, that's, that's not going to last. Someone goes to camp and they give, you give a testimony and you, you hear the testimony, yeah. That's, that's thinketh no evil. You wanna, it goes on to some other things, believeth all things. Let's look at the next thing. Love is not that way. Love rejoiceth not in iniquity. It never, it never, uh, when something negative happens, it never rejoices. When something is sinful, sin, sin is never funny. You know, sin's never been funny to God. I, th- I think some of the sitcoms, they make millions on making, giving people to laugh at sin. And they, if, if the devil can get you to laugh at things, that are nasty and wicked and wrong, he'll eventually get you to accept him. Years ago, there was a, there was a threes company, and I don't know anything about it too much, but I think it was it was it was getting people to laugh at a at a very effeminate, potentially gay person. But fast forward a few years, now it's just it's like the norm. They get us to laugh at something. He said, "You know, what, you know what love does? It never rejoices in iniquity." It rejoices in the truth. Whatever's right, whatever's biblical, whatever's right, that's, that's where I can rejoice. Not in something, question. Listen, uh, young people, dirty jokes. Older men, dirty jokes. There, there, there's no place for that. The Bible says we should not even speak of the things done of them in secret, the wicked things of this world. This should not be something worth even verbalizing and talking about. And it's never funny. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. Let's look at another thing the Bible says. Verse 7, beareth all things. It's like a roof to cover. It, it chooses to carry it. Another word in the Bible uses forbearing is forbearing. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. For means ahead of time. Bear means to carry. I, uh, something happened not too long ago, and I, and I was called, and, and it was it said, ah, oh, you're trying to cover up something. I said, dear brother, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to cover up a thing. But you know, the truth of the matter is, there is a reason to love cover the multitude of sins. We don't want to glorify sin. There's nothing to cover up. But to go into details about someone else's sin that's not necessary, It's not, It's not. it's not... Love makes us say, you know, that person has children. That person has a, hu- a wife. That person has a husband. That person has a mom or a dad. And oftentimes people say, oh, you're trying to get up. You want to do expose everything? I don't think love wants to do it. Love bears all things. It puts a roof on it and says, you know what? It's bad enough the way it is. Why would I want to dig up? We had something happen too long ago. And boy, we had four or five people calling, tell me the real truth. Tell me what really happened. I want to think to myself, where in the world are you? Why in the world do you want to be somewhere else miles away and wanting to know really what happened? Let me have the dirt. I think that person needs to go to Costco and get some love. Yeah. Get enough love to say, you know what? I don't have to know the details. What can I do to be a blessing to the person, to their family? How can, I, how can I pray for them? And there's no need for sometimes a phone call to know about that. People want to just, just want to just kick someone while they're down or do that. And I, I think there's a reason for accountability. I think, Pastor, uh, I, 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 I'm not perfect at this, but I, I don't want to cover up anything that's not... But, but there's sometimes I'm just amazed at how people, in the pretense of, yeah, hey, I'm getting to the story, really all they want to know is they just want to be scum feeders. I think that's not where God wants us to be. He said, love, what does it do? It beareth all things. What else does it do? It believeth all things. It believes the best in people. Rather than think, oh, yeah, I know how they are. Do you really? You know, people have a way. God has a way of working in people's lives. How many believe that God can change people? Sure. How many of you would say God's changed me? <laughs> yeah. The things I used to do? I don't want to do them anymore. Things I used to say, I don't say anymore. You know, if we we have a God, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become. That become is not instantaneously. That's a progressive sanctification. And the same thing you might know about a person six months ago, you don't know what God's doing in their heart and life. So what in the world would we do if we really love, we believe all things? We say, you know what, Let's, let's, let's hope the best about that situation. It would be a wonderful thing whenever someone brought you something negative, you would say, how about, brother, let's just pray for them right now. You know what happens? They'll quit bringing that negative stuff to you. So let's look to the Lord. Let's ask God to help them. I'm sure there's a lot more there than we can ever even imagine, but let's ask God to help them. Just turn that thing around and let's exercise love. Believeth all things. It hopeth all things. It wants the best. And then it endureth all things. Ever heard someone say, I've had it up to here. You know what you're going to do? Get on your tippy toes. <laughs> do what God did and say, I can do I'm going to work through this situation. God can give me love. And I think if we, if we would just have faith in God and determination to keep loving, a lot of things would change. Look at the next thing in the scriptures if we can. It beareth all things, it believeth all things, it hopeth all things, it endureth all things. And look at verse number eight. The last thing says, and charity never what? And you could put out beside your Bible, never quits. There's a guy named Carl Hatch. How many have ever heard of Carl Hatch? He's a little bit out of control, but we love him that way. He's with the Lord, and I'm sure everything's straightened out now. He would break pulpits, and he was was a wild man. But he was a great soul winner. But he wasn't always a great soul winner. a matter of fact, someone had to win him to the Lord. It was his neighbor. Carl was a terrible human being to his neighbor. He was was mean. He was foul-mouthed. But his neighbor, he would hurt his neighbor. His neighbor was a Christian, tried to bring him to Christ, and he just continued to give him the fits. Made fun of him. He said, but his neighbor, what happened with his neighbor? That neighbor kept coming back with love. That's what he says, His testimony, he just kept coming back with love. Even though I gave him such a hard time and I cursed him and I made fun of him, he just kept coming back with love. And it broke me down one day till I accepted the Lord as my Savior and then became a great Christian to lead hundreds and thousands of people to Christ because of love. Love is a very powerful tool. Let's conclude the chapter real quickly. I want you just to see it. There's some sweet things that God does. He says it never quits. By the way, I hope that you'll take these 16 things and you'll say, Lord, please give me this kind of love. Charity never faileth, verse 8, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether it be tongues, they shall cease. Whether it be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And of course, these were the three major gifts that everybody wanted in a carnal church. They wanted to get up and say, here's what God told me to tell the church and give us some prophetic thing. They wanted to speak in, a, they wanted to speak in, a, in tongues. They wanted to be able to verify, yeah, that's true, that's not true. They would have had a gift of knowledge. They wanted the, 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 the public speaking gifts. He says, look, one day, knowledge is going to stop, and tongues are going to stop, and knowledge will no longer be necessary. This is one of the reasons why we don't have that here. It's because there's, we'll see in the Scripture, look, if you would please, at verse number Nine, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. He said, every time we come together in church, this is in, in the church of Corinth, we only give a little bit here and a little bit there. We, we, we give it one person or two or three people, and by the way, only three people could give a prophecy or a tongues, and they had to be one after the other. So we come, we just hear a little bit, and we go back home, and we say, we heard from God. He said, but we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but... When that which is perfect is come, and the word perfect means complete is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. I personally believe that is a reference to the New Testament. When the the Bible is completed, then the Bible says that which is in part, the prophecy, the tongues, and the the knowledge will, will be vanished away. It won't be needed anymore. Look, if you would please, verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. See, we are young. We're young. We're in this first century, and I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. He said, Whenever you're a little baby, you you do baby talk, you get things in pieces. But as you get older, you learn to read. You get when you get older, you put away childish things. You no longer need the the prophecy, the tongues, and the and the knowledge. Why? Because you have a Bible. Now look at the next thing, verse number, tw- verse number 12. But now we see through a glass darkly. I think he was talking about that time. This can be applied to other things. He says, now we see through a glass darkly. He says, it's not real clear. We only have a little bit here and there. But then, face to face, then it'll be very clear. But now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. In verse number 13, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity." These three, but the greatest of these is charity. I think it reminds us here that, that the things they were arguing about and the things they were trying to get would one day not be needed when we have a Bible. We believe that God is done talking. In places where there is a Bible, God has spoken. There's no need for someone else to come up and say, I've got a prophecy to give the church tonight. If it's in the Bible, we'll hear it. If it's from something you dreamed up, Keep it to yourself. We don't need someone to speak in tongues or give a word of knowledge. We have the Bible in its completed form. But the thing that the Bible will force us to do, and and that is, great peace have they which love thy law. If we have a love for the Bible, a love for the God of the Bible, then we'll have a love for one another as well. And these are attributes that we need to apply to our hearts and life.